right, Mr. Farley, thank you very much for joining me on the Between the Levees podcast. I believe we're on episode five. I appreciate your time this morning. Please tell me, uh, where, where are you and what are you doing with your life these days? Tim, it's my pleasure. Uh, I am uh, living in Whitefish, Montana, uh, having retired from the towboat industry full-time about five years ago. And what, what are you up to these days? What do you keep yourself busy with? Well, you know, I, I, people ask me that a great deal, and I guess they ask all retired guys what, what they do. Uh, the days seem to fill up. Uh, I, I hike. Uh, I snowshoe. Uh, I read a great deal. My wife and I travel a great deal. I keep up with old friends. Uh, and uh, the day, as I said, the days seem to fill up. It does sound rather peaceful. One of these days, I hope to follow your lead there. Um, let's start where it began. Where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Uh, I was actually born in Denver, Colorado, and moved to Lubbock, Texas, up on the high plains when I was about seven. So I, I come by this accent, honestly. Um, grew up in Lubbock, uh, went to university there at Texas Tech, and then uh, did a year out and a year and a half out in Phoenix, Arizona, and got my master's in business, actually international business at a school that, that uh, did that exclusively and, uh, and stumbled into large business after that. Okay, we'll get to that point. What did your parents do for a living? Uh, my father was uh, a lawyer by training, but uh, never really enjoyed the law uh, and decided it after, after spending the time to get to do something else he was uh, he was actually what uh, was called a manufacturer's representative so he owned a company in Lubbock that represented the big uh, brands big things like Green Giant and Orox and sure the, the sales areas were too great at that point in time to for any of those companies to have their own sales representatives with the stores in that area so we put together a company that represented them in Texas, which so his sales territory was, you know, probably ten to ten to ten, two or three thousand square miles from El Paso to the Oklahoma line, and, and did that all the time. That, that line of work is completely obviated now by by computers and uh, computer ordering. Anyway, he, he made a living out of that, and a good living for my brother and sister and I. My mom, my mother was. Uh, was an inveterate student. Uh, uh, everyone's people are proud of their mothers, loved their mother. I was especially proud of my mother. She was Phi Beta Kappa and uh, the first woman editor of a major college newspaper. Okay. She was a cat. And so she gave up a career in New York in the, in the magazine business to come raise my brother and sister and I and be married to my dad for, for 60 something years. What do your siblings do? Um, my oldest brother is uh, retired from uh, federal law enforcement, and my eldest brother is, is gone, and my sister uh, lives in Dallas and uh, is still working. And uh, so, and I've got, uh, you know, he's a few nieces and nephews scattered about. Any children of your own? Yeah, I have, uh, I have two. Uh, my son, Eric, lives in Dallas and is in the restaurant business. And my daughter, Megan, lives in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and is a professor of anthropology at a small liberal arts college uh, 30 minutes uh, west 
I'm saying cut out 30 minutes west of of Ann Arbor. They live in Ann Arbor. Ann Arbor. Arbor. Okay. And then <clears throat> it's, in a, it's in a small town. So gotcha. Ann Arbor's better. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, uh, was there anything in your in your schooling growing up, grammar school, high school, that was leading in a certain direction? And then how did you end up in your career? Well, my uh, great-grandfather, my grandfather, and my father were all lawyers. So for a long time, I thought I would that's what I would do. I my father to was, too. My I, father was an attorney. My, my brother is, his wife, my cousin, yeah. You anyway. get it then. You get it. I do. Get it. I do. Right. So I thought about that, and then uh, uh, when I when I got into school, I, I I was a history major because I thought that would be a, as good as anything to be become a lawyer later. My to brother too. <laughs> to take something that uh, that I love, so I was a history major, and then uh, got married. Uh, got married right out of high school, and. Uh, really went hard at undergraduate school got out in two and a half years and the thought of three more years of school was not as attractive as it had once been so sure. i went ahead and got my mba and and and, and went in a different direction the, the barge industry uh, i said earlier that i stumbled into it uh, i uh, got out of graduate school got divorced uh went my brother lived in new orleans so i went to visit him and he, uh, he was 10 years older than I, lived at the corner of Royal and Dumaine, the exact center of the French Quarter. Um, he, was living a lot, he was having a lot of fun. And I, you know, I'd just been grinding through, you know, three years, three and a half years of school to get two degrees and, and uh, you know, very interesting times, but not a lot of fun involved in it. So anyway, it was my filial duty to go help my brother have fun. So I, I moved to New Orleans and uh, began to look for a job. Uh, he played basketball with a bunch of guys at the Y, the, the uh, Lee Circle Y, and okay. one of those guys uh, needed a needed a dispatcher, uh, and uh, so I didn't know what the hell a dispatcher was. But I got to talking to him, and so yeah, about to reveal that you and I have quite a lot in common because uh, he he worked for Ingram, and so my first job was as a dispatcher. Ingram Barge Company in New Orleans. What were you dispatching? Uh, well, the Ingrams at that time owned, uh, we owned about uh, 250 uh, flat deck rock barges and about 80 single skin tank barges. So I was uh, I was the mainline dispatcher for, uh, the, there was just two of us and we handled that. Was that their total fleet of barges at the time? It was, it was. So you said 250 and 80. Yeah, that's right. I believe we're, we're, we're over 4,000, I think, now total, plus tank barges. Um, yeah. Anyway, all right. So how was that job? How was that introduction into the industry? Oh, it was it was wonderful. It was a wonderful time. To, well, first of all, I was living in New Orleans. And, you know, it was a great place to live, living in the quarter. Met a whole, a whole a great number of wonderful people, including my, my wife. And we had a lot of fun. And then work was fun because... I'm, okay, a disclaimer, I'm about to sound like that old guy, but the fact of the matter is, is the differential between then and now is that most of the work or all of the work was done on the felt on the phone. Very little was done written. And so it was inherently important to have good relationships with the people you work with it, but there were more personal relationships than one can put together with email. And so yeah. you knew the people you 
and you know, you talk to them every day and establish what I might have in common or not have in common with a whole group of people. And that's how I'm sure you've discovered the barge industry, the marine industry attracts a lot of really nice people and a lot of really people who are given over to jobs that are not nine to five. It's a fair number of characters out here. Yes, sir. <laughs> there are indeed two of whom you've interviewed uh, already interviewed indeed. Yeah. Uh, what, what, for reference, what, what year was this when you started? Uh, so I uh, started work March the 3rd, 1975. Where did your career take you from, from that point? Uh, it's, I'll do it as quick as I can. Uh, we, uh, the Ingram family, uh, the brothers Bronson and Fritz had divided the company in 1979, 80, and the barge line moved to Nashville, or actually moved back to Nashville. And uh, so by that time I was, oh yeah, I was still selling, I was still in dispatching. Uh, so I moved back, we moved to Nashville and uh, became the sales manager of the company, uh, working under a couple of guys and then uh, left them, left Ingram in the early eighties to go to Paducah, Kentucky to form my own company with a couple of friends, uh, Mike Marshall and Bill Kellum. And we, we had about a three-year run or four-year run as, in our, as our own company. We, we did well, very well, and then very poorly as a result of Mr. Carter, uh, President Carter embargoing the Russian, pretty well putting a torpedo in the barge industry. That coupled with hyperinflation. So we went broke. Uh, we went broke in early 82, 83. What was that business? We were in the, in the wheel in our own small barge. Uh, okay. We uh, we uh, did brokerage. Uh, my partner Bill Kellum was a marine surveyor. My partner Mike Marshall uh, did equipment brokerage. I did towing brokerage, and so we began to uh, gather up uh, a group of open tops, and we got into did a few few small coal contracts, and then we built some some new barges and and began to branch out with provisions of contending with the Ingrams and the ACBLs, and uh, but part of the problem was, as I mentioned, the hyperinflation. Uh, we bought we bought barges that we built for three hundred twenty thousand dollars a piece that we later sold on the or the bank sold on the steps. Eighteen months later, for one hundred fifteen thousand mm. dollars. The uh, the inflationary period there really made it almost impossible for a small company to operate. We actually paid a bank, the Bank of Paducah. Prime plus four, which was some months was as much as twenty four percent interest. Hmm. So it wasn't it wasn't there wasn't much uh, much room for any uh, downtime. But anyway, life goes on. So I left there and uh, went to uh, was offered a job by the the Brent family of Greenville, Mississippi. Our Brent his family offered me a job uh, as their sales. Uh, they were in the tag barge business. Uh, we lived in Greenville for about four years, uh, took a year off and went to Mexico to live for a year and then uh, came back to Greenville. And then from there, we moved to Chicago where I worked for Connie Carriers, Cottonelle Grain owned the barge line. So I ran dispatch and dispatch and uh, the sales effort. And we, we had fleets in New Orleans. Connie fleet was directly across the river from Cottonelle Grain Elevator. I guess Cargill owns it now. Anyway, so about four years with uh, with Conti, 
five years with Conti. Then I went to work for a company called the Valley Line, which was a large dry cargo company uh, in St. Louis. Uh, we owned uh, about a thousand barges. And that company was purchased by ACBL in uh, 1993. So I went to work. Uh, I would, I moved on with them to Jeffersonville. And, uh, and while in Jeffersonville, I was uh, vice president of dispatch logistics, vice president of tank barge sales, and executive vice president of operations, executive vice president of sales. And I, had a, I was lucky enough to have a broad ranging to the bars business higher level there with ACBL for sure. We were there 10, we were there for 10 years. And that's where I met Sonny Ivy. And we'll get back to Sonny later on, but that's, that's where I met Sonny. So we left, uh, left uh, ACBL in 2003 and I went to work for Kirby, the tank barge company. Uh, I started with them as uh, executive vice president of operations and the operating side of their business for, about 10 years. Then we, uh, we bought an offshore tug company, a Kirby Offshore Marine. And uh, so I served as the president of, of Kirby Offshore for five, six years. And then spent a year uh, being a chairman of AWO and, and then uh, spent a little bit more time and retired in the fall of, uh, in the fall of 2018. So uh, 2017, excuse me, 2017. So that, that in a nutshell, uh, I think that's nine or 10 moves. So my children accuse me of, of being a, uh, a migrant worker, actually. But anyway, we, we all well, survived. I, I think Ingram is my, uh, my seventh employer since I graduated in 08. So right. good for you. Yes, sir. Uh, you said you lived a year in Mexico. What were you doing down there? Yeah, um, I don't know. Trying to decide what we were going to do when we grew up. I, I don't know. We, we always loved Mexico. Uh, and my daughter was three at the time. And if we were ever going to live abroad, you know, that was a good time to go because it wouldn't disrupt school or anything. Just to go see, uh, see what we wanted to do, whether or not we wanted to stay in the barge business or anything else. My wife wanted to learn to speak Spanish. So we, uh, thanks to my good friend and, and boss at the time, Howard Grant, uh, he, I went in to tell Howard I was going to quit. He said, Oh, cuz you can't quit. Don't quit. I said, Well, what do you mean? We're going to Mexico. He said, Well, uh, uh, Jim, why, why don't you take a leave of absence? I said, well, what, what exactly? He, I said, You mean you're going to pay me? He said, Yeah, yeah, heck yeah. We want you to come back. I said, Okay, Howard, I'm going to take a leave of absence. I'm not going to quit. I, so I, I took a leave of absence, and, and Howard was kind enough to continue paying me to help enable that. And, you know, I owed him, a, I owed him to come back. So I did come back and we worked about another year before we moved on to Chicago. Howard was uh, one of those guys that made a difference in a career. And he's, thank God, he's still alive. He's 84. He's, uh, he actually is a character capital C character. Talk to other people, ask him about Howard. Legendary figure in the business, as was his dad. He was one of the founders of the business. What was his last name? Brent, B-R-E-N-T, Howard Brent. He's sure. still got all his faculties and is going 100 miles an hour. So. Good for him. You're going to have to put aside a couple of days, Howard. <laughs> well, I'll find the time. I'll find the time. Because <laughs> he's, he's truly, uh, uh, there's a book out, uh, Melody Golding, uh, 
whose husband owns the Golding's own Golding Barge Line in Pittsburgh. Golding family and the Brent family were very, very closely uh, related and actually owned some businesses together. And you may be familiar, she did a book that interviewed um, 40 or 50 captains. Okay. And it's a, I'll send you the name of it. It's a fantastic book, interesting guys. And for a guy like yourself who's interested in the business, the history of the business, you'd be fascinated by the story. Well, Howard's, Howard's story's in there, so that'd be a good primer for you. I'll, okay. I'll send you the name of that book. Can't okay. escape me right But it's, it's very interesting. A lot of, got a lot of people I was love, fortunate enough to work with that worked on boats. Uh, and as you know, they, they're a very a distinct bunch. Aren't they though? Aren't they though? Yeah, and, right, and so, Ingram certainly Ingram certainly had their uh, their share of them. Bill Harmon comes to my mind. Captain Jones, uh, just Captain Ford, Shoemaker, uh, just a uh, just a whole bunch of friends. They're all gone now, but they were they were very good to me in my career because obviously I had a very extensive marine background growing up in Lubbock County, Texas, which has about as much water as there is in your bathtub right right they're very good to me well we can circle back to you joined acbl you meet sonny ivy tell me about him at the time how long or what did you know of him and and what was he up to uh, uh, uh sonny was running the golf uh golf operations for acbl and he he was you know he had, he was kind of a he was even at that point in time somewhat of a legendary figure uh in the business uh out of a force of nature kind of guy he had uh, Mike Hagan was the president EO of ACBL at that time, and he and Sonny had worked together for a long time. I could come down to New Orleans, spent a couple of years in the Gulf, and, and you may have noticed over time that there's somewhat of a there can be friction between the, the dispatch groups at times and the operating side of the house. Sales and operations are probably greater than. Let's just say that Sonny and I didn't see eye to eye hmm. all the time, and Sonny didn't. I was, you know, 20 years younger than Sonny, so we didn't get along very well historically. And uh, the way I would say that we were friends, we just saw the business. So we we worked together the best we could. He was, a, you know, he had a big job, and and I had a series of jobs there that were big, and we worked together. And uh, uh, you know, we we disagreed to disagree. Let's put it that way. Sure. I look forward to I look forward to. Uh, work uh your work uh, about sunny because he he, he have, certainly was a did a lot of things for acpl over the years and then when did you encounter or when did you cross paths with my that the previous two guests were, were talking about well that's uh when i was dispatching in new orleans in 75 to 75 to 78 uh, they were working for chokedown at that period of time and I, I got to know both of them then uh, great guys they been very fortunate for them to have been my friends over since then and you you, you interviewed them and know them both they're really are good guys and and they're kind of you can see what a one of the reasons i love the barge industry was that barge it gave those people a chance to really move forward and have have careers and have varied careers do varied things and so that was fun for me for me to do myself and to watch others do as well and um both Frank and and Z, well, I worked directly with Z a lot because he when he owned barge boats, I chartered boats from from Z for twenty five years. Okay, 
so we had a business relationship besides him being my friend. And then we also had a very extensive relationship through the American Waterway Operator. All three of us very involved uh, in AWO uh, for, for a long period of time. And both Z and, and Frank played really pivotal roles in keeping, uh, particularly in, in Z's part, keeping the uh, voice of the small company heard in, in, a, in, a, in a big organization, you know, filled with Kirby's and ACBLs and Ingram's, you know, that pay big dues and, and have big voices the way it worked but they they always were involved never let them that stop them frank was frank was uh, chairman of awo and z was always involved always willing to take part always willing i know you're surprised always willing to speak up and uh <laughs> not him no not him be involved so uh that that was a blessing to me to, to met them early and known them long oh what uh if you can give a synopsis on this, what were the sort of the, the checkpoints along the way of the development of the industry down in New Orleans from when you started to today? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a great question and, a, and an interesting issue. I think, I think New Orleans mirrors the whole bars business in that, you know, when I, when, when I started in the seventies, there was no idea how many companies there were, but, there was a large number of companies, family-owned companies, smaller entities that we now find ourselves with. So uh, beginning in the middle 80s, uh, that's not really true. Actually, in the dry cargo business, validation began. The Ingrams and the ACBLs of the world begin to buy up large lines. And in the late 80s, Kirby began to really consolidate, consolidate the tank barge space. So actually, Kirby, Kirby Inland Marine and now Kirby Offshore Marine is actually the, the combination of almost 40 barge lines. I mean, really? Kirby, has, Kirby itself has bought up almost 40 barge lines. Look at the Inland River guys. And they, they have the companies. In the back of it, there's a you know, kind of a, a companion of what companies became what. So, okay. CBL has a large number, you know, company uh ohio river company for example you know, a lot of, lot of good sized companies so so there was this consolidation and so you know there were a lot of people a lot of those families owned their own fleets in the gulf uh you know owned small fleeting operations small tug operations they were taken over by the big companies and so i mean if you look baton rouge south the fleets are owned by the big companies um and part of the, and the, the impact that had on the business was is that it took a lot more people to run all those small companies and all those family members were involved and the the cast of players became smaller all the time and that you know that certainly had a big change in relationships and the way things were so you know like like most people what you remember what you it's the longest period of time but when you were remembering it you seem to have the fondest memories of that but. Uh, it was, it's just, it was different. And it's become uh, a much more of a corporate enterprise, the family enterprise it was. And that, that is what it is. And, and don't get me wrong, the modern Ingram is a fine company and the 1975 company was a fine. I mean, that's from my perspective because of the Ingram family, great people, 
Orrin's dad was very, he loved the garden business and was very, very much a student of the garden. Obviously, it kept them in the bars a long time, and then Orrin has done the same. And uh, Canal Bars line family, it, they're, they're kind of the uh, they're kind of the one off what I'm talking about. There's still a family bars line, but a but a big one, and they've right. done some consolidation of their own. And again, ending family leadership, you know, taking them forward, being part of the business, always being involved. Uh, AWO wouldn't exist without people like Warren and, and then also wouldn't exist without people like Frank Morton and, uh, and Z Dave Loach. Right. Can you tell me what you remember about, uh, E Bronson Ingram? Oh, Bronson was, a. um, he was a gentleman in every sense of the word. He was always kind to people. Uh, he remembered your name and, you know, he, I was a dispatcher. Little did I know that actually, my first job was the most important job of the whole business, and that's a dispatcher. It was the whole thing. Besides the man work, men and women working on the boats, the dispatcher, if you didn't have that individual, the thing didn't work. But anyway, right. uh, uh, Ronson was, was always kind, uh, a leader, a, you know, a good businessman, uh, a real, a real uh, pillar of his community in, in, in Nashville. The Ingram family's done a lot of really nice things. Uh, the, the cancer, cancer, uh, work they've done at, at Vanderbilt and finance and Vanderbilt's uh, something that comes to mind almost immediately. Orange mother is a lovely, lovely person. Again, very kind to me and my wife over our early careers. Um, interestingly, and, and uh, uh, Bronson's brother Fritz had the, the reverse opinion of the barge industry. He, he was, um, he didn't love it like his brother did. I think that was one of the reasons that over time they decided to split the business. And uh, just a brief story: Fritz Ingram was a he was a, he was a very uh, dashing fella, and he, he had a wide swath, if you will. And, and so I'm in the I'm in the uh, uh, elevator, at One Shell Square, where our our office was. And I'm riding up, and I've been there about a year, and so. Mr. Ingham looks at me, Fritz Ingram, and says, so, Farley, how do you like the barge news? Like a little puppy. I'm like, oh, Mr. Ingram, I love, you know, I love it. He said, yeah, you and that brother of mine, I, I don't understand how you guys can get excited about a business that when it's really, really, really going fast, it goes about 18 miles an hour. Anyway, he was a, he was a, he was a gentleman as well. And, uh, but they did split their holdings, and, uh, and he went a different in trading oil trading and things that inherently are a little more fast paced than, uh, yeah, than the barge industry, you know, obviously right. oil trading and, and, and marine transportation. And what, what do you recall or what can you tell me? Cause I really don't know. Uh, I worked for ACBL when, after they acquired AEP back in 20, well, late 2015. Right. Uh, what was their origin story? I really, I never learned it. Where, where did ACBL come from? Well, actually, that's interesting you say because American Commercial Barge Line, there was a barge line called American Barge Line and a barge line called Commercial Barge Line. So in the late, uh, late 60s, early 70s, those two, bar, those two barge lines merged and formed okay. a very large, very large barge line. And then they were actually purchased by uh, a big gas company 
And then that gas company was that that company was then purchased by the CSX Railroad, one of the biggest railroads in the United States, which was at the time very controversial in the sense of a of the biggest railroad owning one of the two or three biggest large lines. There's sure a lot of a lot of concern about how pricing would be. But anyway, the the, the railroad owned uh, ACBLs in the late late nineties. Um, then. The bars business was in a, in a tough period of time. Uh, we were we were actually sold, or sold, uh, and and I mean took bankruptcy and then came out of bankruptcy and it's and you know it's been owned by a, a, a series of uh, uh, equity funds over that period of time, and so always been big, always been big for sure. Uh, my whole career, they've been. We're the biggest sports now. Your company is the largest now, I believe. Historically, uh, you know, historically, what you know was kind of the really good operating company. Uh, big tow people, you know, they built the big boats early, and then you know, they they were they did a, a great deal of consolidation uh, themselves. The last of which was AAP. I mean, that was the last big merger that they did. Well, it really wasn't a merger; it was an acquisition. Right, and so. A lot of friends in Memco. A lot of, lot of, lot of friends. A lot of people in You say Memco? My, uh, obviously, I think AEP acquired them. I believe, or yeah. acquired Compass or something. Anyway. Yeah, no, that's uh, right. AEP, AEP acquired the barge line as part of the part of their, you know, utility hold. Right. And and then it had, you know, they sold it. Well, they, they sold it again, and then uh, and uh, they're. They own, they own barges and continue to own barges, but they're managed by others in their service up on the upper end of the Ohio. Gotcha. No, I knew. Did you know uh, Joe Ward? Yeah. In New not Orleans? well. Yeah. Not well, you said? Not well. No, I'm not. Right. He was my, my first my first supervisor in, in the industry. Uh -huh. I was running the I was running the mobile to Calvert dispatch for I guess about six months before AEP. Uh, excuse me, before ACBL closed the deal. Gotcha. All right. Well, how did you how did you get in the bars business? Uh, Joe, Joe Warden, you know Vicki Kane as well? No. No. Well, she she was the uh, I think director of Gulf Fleet Dispatch with A with AEP. And I had been in trucking and warehousing for about seven years after I graduated. And I was looking for a change of scenery, either rail or maritime. All right. Always, I grew up in New Orleans, so driving on River Road, you see a ship passing and you just wonder what, what is going on out there? You know, seven years old, begging to see you know, these passing ships. And randomly, I mean, there was a time period when I would probably apply to 100 jobs a year and interview, uh -huh. interview maybe four times a year. Well, I happened across this river, I forgot what the title was. some sort of like dispatcher four or some, some random, I didn't know what I was looking at, but uh, it's, it mentioned river. It mentioned barges. So I said, well, I don't know anything about this. Let me just see what happens and uh, applied. And maybe a month or two later, there I was working with Joe in the, in the convent office. Right. Right. Well, that's, we got a lot. We, we, we had really extensive career plans. That's it. Yeah, that's good.
Yeah, it's a start, man. And I was with with ACPL from let's see, February of sixteen was when we officially wore a new hat, and then July of eighteen I joined Ingram, and I've been kind of learning their their customer service system and and took over canals in uh, in March of nineteen. Been there since. Okay. Well, that, that that's busy. I got that's to know got, got to know Z Dave and the family, obviously, before they recently sold. Uh, right. Right. So now do you know do you know uh, Z's cousin, A A Dave? Have you ever met I, I've no, I have not met or spoken to him, but I'd like to, I think. All you need to, if you're gonna talk about Sonny, you need to talk to A, because A was extremely close to Sonny. Sonny was their biggest customer and and A was Sonny likes to play golf. In fact, Z mentioned it in his interview. He, Sonny <laughs> loves to play golf, and so did so today. So they they played a lot of golf together, and that was important. So he'd be a good guy to talk to. Yeah, one of these days, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and line it up. Yeah. Is there anything anything else you wanted to touch on about your career, your life, anything else? No, I was just uh, I'm very fortunate that my brother played basketball with a guy that was in the business. Because he could have just as likely been a, not disparaging any of these, it could have been a shoe a shoe salesman or sold insurance or you know, and, and my life would have been far different. Not that I would have necessarily have stayed in either of those, but I found a business that I, was easy to love, with a group of people that have, have become more than friends over a long period of time. I've been blessed and been very fortunate, and I'm still I was able to. The last refuge of a scoundrel, I was still able to uh, to consult for three or four years and and, I, and got on a couple of boards. I, I hand in a little bit, but uh, uh, it's a great business, people by great people. I agree with you completely. It's uh, never looking back, man. Uh, it's yeah. no, that's it's, it. I mean, especially where I am now, I'm in, I'm in a very good position to good. Well, it's a great keep on growing. Great company, and uh, Tim, if I can ever be of help, you know, call me. I'll, I'll, I don't have a lot left, but I do still have an opinion, so don't, don't hesitate to to call if I can be of help. I'll keep you on speed dial, sir. That'd be great. Appreciate Thank the you very much. All Thank right, you very man. much for your time. All Take right, care. Sir. See you. you too.